Warning. This podcast does not contain actual virgins. Discretion is advised. Ross. And I'm Lindsay Schaefer. And this is Movie Virgins, a weekly discussion of our first times with movies. Each week, one of us is re-watching the film and the other is seeing it for the first time. And this week, my choice was the incredibly bleak futuristic fantasy. So fucking bleak. It's very bleak. From, the 20, from 2014, Snowpiercer. Nanu Nanu. Also, um, incidentally, Bong Joon-ho's English debut. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's really big right now. He's I huge. Still, huge. Still haven't actually seen Parasite. Me Still either. sitting on the list. Me, yep. I'm sure it's wonderful. Uh, but yeah, we're talking about, we're talking about Snowpiercer. So you saw it. I you saw had it. seen it. I had not. So uh, talk, to, talk to me about your first time. I saw it uh, a couple years ago. A couple, few years ago. I guess a couple years ago um i on the netflix it was on the netflix it's been on netflix for a few years which is kind of awesome um i was looking for a quick chris fix um it's got chris evans it was free on netflix i read the synopsis and thought wow that sounds absolutely terrible i don't want to see this <laughs> at all it sounded depressing or it sounded just sounded like a oh bad it movie? sounded dumb it just sounded really like from the synopsis it sounds ridiculous and stupid all what? of humanity left on Earth is on a train. Come on. That's in a future where a failed climate change experiment has killed all life except for the lucky few who boarded the Snowpiercer, a train that travels around the globe, a new class system emerges. Tell me that doesn't sound fucking ridiculous. I like dystopian future stuff, so it sounds I'm I think here it, for it. Whatever. I think it sounds dumb. But like I said, I needed a Chris fix, so I went ahead and I watched it, and the reason why it stuck out to me wasn't even actually the the movie itself or, or everything that I'm sure we're going to discuss, you know, what the movie's about, themes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The reason it stuck with me more than anything is because I came into it thinking, this looks awful, I'm sure it's going to be terrible, and by the end of it, I was like, fuck. <laughs> I, was, I was thoroughly uh, intrigued and entertained, and it was thought-provoking, and there are so many, I'm not going to say it's a great film but there are so many things about it that were done really effectively um and and it it stuck with me and there wasn't even i can't even say that there's a specific moment or a specific scene or a specific line of dialogue that stuck with me in fact i was really excited to rewatch this because the only real memory i had of it after probably three years or so is just that i was so impressed with the fact that it would actually, with this ridiculous synopsis, actually turned out to be a really good two-hour watch. Do, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? And it is two. It is more than two hours long. It's like two hours and five minutes. It's a long Just movie. Calm the fuck down. Just want to say it's, it's a long two movie. hours. Okay. <laughs> a lot of stuff happens. A lot of stuff happens, and I, 
I think the the main takeaway that I had from it more than anything was just that I was in it the whole time. A lot of stuff happens and the whole time you want to know what's going to happen next, what's mm-hmm. going to happen next. Like there are a lot of uh, obviously um, mysteries out there that you watch a lot of, I don't know, crime dramas filled with intrigue and this and that. The intrigue that is woven into this story, because it is this dystopian future, because it is this microcosm of the world, because it is um, something unexplainable and kind of ridiculous and a little bit silly, but also really deep and dark and sad, because it has all of these different things going on. And at the same time, it's just a very basic kind of hero's journey. So I feel like the entire time I'm watching it, I'm thinking... What's going to happen next? Who Who's going to attack them? Who's going to be killed? You know, how, are they actually going to make it? And not just are they going to make it, because you know the whole time, even if he makes it to the front of the train, you know things aren't what they seem. I mean, obviously they're not what they seem. And so many silly little ridiculous things go on throughout that I feel like there are so many questions that come up and I wanted answers to those questions. Like I wanted to know, how is it possible for them to still be eating food? You know, they're talking about the people up in first class, like, eating steak. Are there cows on this train? Mm-hmm. How is this yeah. happening? Because you don't, you must not see all the cars. Right, no exactly, right. exactly. There, there are so many questions I have that in the beginning I'm thinking, this, this is just stupid. Like, they're never going to explain this. And they don't necessarily explain everything. Like I said, there are still some holes. But they do explain the big stuff. And I think that was... Um, surprising (laughs) I feel like there are so many movies out there now that their aim is just plain to entertain and -hmm. you know if there are giant plot holes who gives a fuck I just want to entertain you for a couple hours and people walk away from it thinking that's fine when really it's not (laughs) it's really not and there are still some pretty major or maybe not major but there are definitely still some some unanswered questions in this movie what are your unanswered questions um, so the protein blocks are made out of these insects. Where did they come from? Also, I didn't see any cows. I understand the fish. <laughs> Let's, and I don't believe But you that, saw sides of beef hanging in the yeah, car. Yeah, where did they come from, though? We didn't travel through any cars that I saw that had, like, green pastures. Well, there had to be a cow car somewhere. Um, maybe. And I still, I still don't believe so. I think it was admirable that they did their best to explain it, and they talked about... In order to have a well-functioning ecosystem, you have to, of course, keep the numbers in line, which is 100% true. And I like the fact that they discussed that. But in my mind, I'm still thinking like, yeah, but this is still a train. Like, let's <laughs> let's be real here. You know, you guys are really de- – 17 years. It's still a fucking 18 train. 18 years. Well, 18, yeah. Yeah. So it definitely still has – but I, I think I'm willing to give it a little bit I'm, – I'm willing to, you know, give it a little bit extra because it – it is obviously a fantasy. It is kind of a sci-fi futuristic fantasy. Yeah. Um, and I that's, of course, not all of that is actually the point. The point of it is how would human beings function mm-hmm. in this, this microcosm? Mm-hmm. This caste system that yeah. has been forced upon them. Yeah. Because it's not an unanswered question. I was wondering a few times... How did how did everybody on the train get on the train? It seems like the first class passengers bought tickets. Yeah. And these people in the tail ended up... Just they, like they, rushed they, in. Yeah, rushed yeah. on. And I think that's another one that, yes, it's kind of an unanswered question in a, in a sense, you know. When they shot this stuff up into the atmosphere, were these... So, you know that uh, 
they he built this train so that because he actually thought that that this stuff wouldn't work and would potentially freeze the world. So I'm assuming that the people who bought tickets were doing it because they thought that they might all die too. And then other people just rushed. But I'm willing to forgive that we don't know that because I feel like that's, that's in the past. It's not necessary to the story, right? We're 17, 18 years in, but I feel like the train, his building of the train was a life. It's a, it was interesting when you see the video of him as a child talking about trains. And I'm like, this is a lot of little boys I know and their obsession with trains. And it seems like he has this, obsession with trains and then he it's like takes it to a new level his passion for trains culminates in this yeah this magnificent which is interesting of a train that is a an ecosystem in earth within itself yeah and this engine that like the tilden swinton character whose name is it i can't think of the name carson maybe i don't know but mason mason uh when she talks about it it's like religion yeah this this engine this beautiful engine and it's life and it's everything mm-hmm. and even when the when you see the children in the schoolroom and they're talking about like if we leave we die and it's this chant and it's very gross but if you think about the mythology of it too so whether it's even true or not but let's say it is true that wilford as a small child was obsessed with trains he is. and ultimately wanted to create a train that that people could live on forever. That mm-hmm. people would never have to leave. Which is a weird fucking fantasy, let's be clear. Yes. Um, you're, yeah, like that's already a little bit <laughs> fucked up. But ultimately, that weird fucking fantasy led to saving humanity. Yeah. Because this is all of humanity that remains in existence. I can 100% see how something like that would lead to this savior type devotion. So I, I totally get why they're it's, thinking of him in that way. And the, he, of course, like any good cult leaders, you know, separates himself from them, kind of rules over from afar. Um, yeah, the, the, the kids, I think that's probably my favorite scene. The, the children. School. The, the school. school. Yeah. It's so, the, I, the first part of the movie is so, it, it's got, the whole, I feel like everything on the train has this very steampunk vibe in a lot of ways. Yeah, especially once you get into the, mm-hmm. the rear cars where they're all just kind of, dressed in that certain way yeah so the beginning of the movie is very dark and dirty and they're at the tail of the train and um it's depressing and it's grungy and then you see them and it reminded me a lot i was trying to think of other films or stories the hunger games district 13 district 12 like well not 13 i think it's 12 is where katniss everdeen lives and it's all dirty and they're coal miners and it's depressing and it's dark and then she gets on a train and takes a train to um a better district where they do actually bring the kids for the hunger games and it's all like brightly colored Mm -hmm. and beautiful and there's all this food and it's you know this opulence and whatever and uh that's kind of what this reminded me of in a way that and it also the field changes you go from the tail end of the train and as you move through the rest of the train and you see how it kind of all unfolds and it's really really well done i think yeah i think it it definitely helps with that kind of fantastical aspect of it mm-hmm. um but to make the differences plainly obvious you know that here we start in this dark nasty grungy dirty spot and yes exactly the further you move so the further you move down you get through you know where they're making the protein blocks mm-hmm. and where they're storing people and like these different rooms yes. and even once you get to the water room it's all it's cleaner and it's neater but it's still very utilitarian mm-hmm. and then you finally get into the sauna yeah the spa the, exactly the club the club yeah so th- that it's like peeling back the layers of an onion 
they're kind of going and going and going and seeing more and more and more of it. And it's, it, some of it is very fantastical and wild. Like that car with the fish, the, the, mm-hmm. and they sit at a fucking sushi bar. Yeah. And eat fucking sushi was such a weird, it was so weird. It's interesting too that the further you travel down the train, the more colorful and bright and lively it gets and yet the more lively it gets the more humanity is lost Mm. all throughout you know the very last the very last ones that they're getting into it's it's people just partying and doing drugs and just being gross fucking people and then finally of course you get to Wilford who is I mean, what humanity does he have left? He's just, mm-hmm. he's, he is the engine. Yeah. He's just thinking about He's a train. robot. Right. He's a robot and he's completely bought into his. And I'm not saying he's wrong, honestly, to be 100% clear. And I think that's one of the beauty, one of the beauties of this story is mm-hmm. the things he says, they're not crazy. Uh, are they um, a little bit crazy in how he's putting it or the fact that he's playing his, along with it's it? It's his translation sure. of it. It's his version of it. But it's really not. It, it's yeah. not. It's not pure insanity. I guess he is my wants point. to maintain the ecosystem that he has built. Right. The and way he's... that he is doing it is fucking gross. Sure. But he's also somebody's got to do what they got to do, right? What happens he's if pl- this train he's, doesn't? He's God. He's God. Yeah. He's he plays God. God. Sure. It's the Tilda Swinton character. She calls him Wilfred. I thought his name was Wilfred for the longest time, but it's Wilford. Well, it says Wilford on. I know. <laughs> I know. But she kept saying Wilfred. Can uh, we talk for a second just about how amazing she is, though? Holy shit. First she's of all, a she's, chameleon. I couldn't she's always even recognize amazing. her. She's, I love her so much. But the accent that she does in this movie, the... The fake teeth. The fake teeth. The glasses. The way she moves. Coat, the, the hair. Just the way she moves alone. I, she, yeah, she's just amazing. I don't know where the fuck Wilford found her, but she's magnificent. <laughs> she's the best. She, she's magnificent. So she... Uh, there's a point, this, it's actually when she's giving the speech, when the guy the, at the beginning has um, th- thrown the shoe and yeah, hit that crazy Ewan, fucking... Ewan Brem- Bremner? Yeah, he's the guy from Trainspotting. He's, he's train the guy spotting. who shoots the bed in Trainspotting. That's right, all I exactly. think of him as. Well, I mean, you just saw Black Hawk Down. He was in Black Hawk Down, too. yes. But he, what I love about him is the weird screams that he makes, which isn't like the same kind of stuff in Trainspotting. Mm-hmm. He is so weird looking and perfectly recognizable and mm-hmm. just a little bit like he's a he he's a human person but he's a little bit bizarre <laughs> yeah. i love that he's a yeah. so he's getting his punishment and while he's getting his punishment she's delivering this speech about how order is how we save ourselves and it's would you safety be in yeah would we you wear a shoe as a hat <laughs> it's so i was thinking about it really hard last night because we're in the midst of this coronavirus thing and yet last yesterday the president made an announcement that we we're in a state of crisis, and I couldn't find toilet paper anywhere because everybody in their freaking mom. Their fucking minds. So I had to go to three paper. different stores to find toilet paper, and the grocery store was packed with people, and everybody's losing their minds about it. And I was thinking about that, like, in order for us, like, with this coronavirus, in order for us, and like, what's what? What are we doing at work? All of the measures that we're taking at work to mm-hmm. protect ourselves and mitigate the risk. That is going, that is, we do have to all work together and be orderly in protecting ourselves from this thing that is, and we are in a little bit of a crisis mode right now. It's interesting that that's the aspect of, of this coronavirus scare that you feel like, or, or that that's where you feel like it applies in here. Because I was thinking of it more once he gets to the end and he's actually talking to Wilford and Wilford is saying things like, 
we have to maintain some sort of order mm-hmm. here. And sometimes in order to maintain order, we have to create a semblance of chaos. Yeah. And that's very easy to do with human beings because... All the revolutions, yeah. Because human beings are easily uh, made to believe that they are in constant danger. Is- they tend to veer into panic mode relatively yeah. easily. And that because of that, it just takes a little push. It just takes a, the smallest push yeah. to, to send it. people into absolute this chaos. Is, is- Whether it's revolution or, or not, it doesn't take much. And I feel like that's more where I was thinking. This is so interesting too. So I was at a military base last week for my nephew's graduation. He's a Marine now. And they're herding these families all around the base and a lot of times it's just big open spaces and we're they're telling us where to go but it might be just one dude telling us where to go or people really don't know where to go and it was really interesting to watch the crowd move because i didn't always hear what they were saying so i was just following the people in front of me so one person in that crowd walks in the wrong direction we're all walking in that direction we're just milling Mm -hmm. around figuring it out and I was thinking like geez because I don't think I'd ever been in a crowd of people that had no idea what the fuck they should be doing and there was a lot of moments like that on that base they they took care of us for the most part there was sort of a schedule and you sort of knew where you needed to go but um it was really interesting to pay attention to that and we definitely got yelled at by the guy a few times he was like you guys don't know what the fuck you're doing like get back in line like it was just fascinating. It's Yeah, and it's interesting that they talk a lot, obviously, about maintaining order here. And, you know, you got on the rear of the train and that's where you belong. And you just belong where you belong. Mm-hmm. And I think in our supposedly enlightened state, we tend to think that oh, well, our, that's our, ours, our, you and, you, our supposedly and enlightened state. Yeah, we tend to think, well, that's ridiculous. You know, human beings have. And I think uh, Curtis says at one point, he says something like, well, that's just something that the people who are on top are saying, you know, that, yeah, you you belong where you are because you're on top. Yeah. But the rest of us, we belong somewhere else. You know, we, we should be able to grow. And, and, and of course, that's something that you see uh, in humanity as a whole. Mm-hmm. But one of the things you also see in humanity as a whole is just that follow the leader mentality and the desire to just stick with what you know and mm-hmm. to just remain comfortable and stay in your lane. And it is something that I don't I don't at all believe it's something that we're taught. We maybe it may be enforced in many ways. It's enforced when you're in school, you know, that these mm-hmm. are the classes you go to and this is where get in line. But that idea of not just maintaining order, but finding order. Um, that that desire that people have to know that there's a reason for things and that things belong a certain way and things should be a certain way. Um that's something that is just inherent to humans. We are mm-hmm. always looking for reason and meaning and order. And here you have a very set order. And yeah, of course, the people who are on the bottom would like to be in a place where they're not eating protein blocks and, mm-hmm. and living in dirt and grime and nastiness. But that being said, it still took a push. It still took a push from... um Ed Harris. Wilford. <laughs> Wilford. Thank you. It still took a push from Wilford to actually get somebody to lead a res- revolution. Yeah. It's still, all of them, no matter how miserable they were, they were still very much, this is just how life is. This is just where we are. This, and not only did it take a push from him and manipulation, of course, uh, from, from the other guy. Gilliam. Gilliam, thank you. 
not only did it take that push and that manipulation, but they also had to have the right person in place. You also have to have this guy who feels so guilty and so so desperately needs to make up for what he perceives as this wrong, terrible thing that he's done. It is terrible. Well, yeah, I know. But but I'm sure other people did it too and maybe don't perceive it that way. That's my point. Is okay. He feels he has, the need. He has that. He, he has feels guilt. this desperate, awful need to cut off his arm. He's got to do that. And if you don't have that person who is so desperate to do something and you don't have that additional push of maybe it is possible it's for hope. us to step it's outside hope. this. That is what Wilford gives them. He gives them hope that there is something better in, in those little bullets inside of the protein bars. Those words, it's, it's the thing that humans cling to. It's hope. When you talk about Nazi death camps and the people who survived it, how did they survive it? Like what, how did they, what was their mindset? How did they get through it? And I'm not saying this is, I mean, this is terrible, but it's no Nazi de- death camp. It's, it's hope. I mean, I really think that's what it is. He gave them a little piece of something that allowed them to think outside of that tail turn. Yeah, tail, that's what I mean by gave, gave him a push. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's about humanity at yeah. its worst, exactly. really. Um, it, it's not even, I mean, yeah, it is. I don't I don't it's about humanity at its worst it's really just about humanity it's about what people are capable of good and bad because there's a lot of good that happens here too you know there's a lot of I'm gonna we're gonna do everything we can to find these kids and save these kids Mm -hmm. and I you know I don't want for this to continue on I want to get out into the world and even if I die out in the snow I want I want my daughter to experience life outside of this um yeah, there there is a lot of of good in it as well, and of course a lot of bad. Evil, it's evil. just it's just humanity. It, like I said, it's a microcosm. So Chris Evans mm-hmm. is this, and I haven't seen everything he's ever done, but I feel like he got a lot of great opportunities in this movie to show us some shit. Yeah. Do you feel like he delivered on this role? Oh yeah, I think so. Do you think this is his best role? No, I think so. Or his best acting in a role, or I don't, I don't know. know about that. I, gifted, I think first of all was was really good, and I thought he was great in it. Um, I feel like Chris Evans. You know, he started out with he was just like a he was the pretty boy. Not another teen movie. Yeah, I Mike asked me about this the other day. Mike, Mike needs to come on the fucking show because all we ever do is talk about We're Mike. Talk about him. who's Mike? Who's Mike? I nobody knows. You'll never know. You'll never know. Mike's not real. Mike's just a, I don't know, he's a figment of our imagination. Anyway, it's, he's like, what's your favorite Chris Evans movie? And I'm like, I think it's not another teen movie because I like him as the pretty boy. See, I never liked him as a pretty boy. I never found him particularly attractive. I thought he was younger. He was always just kind of too perfect looking and he just always kind of smiled and never did anything. I mean, even back to, uh, what is it, what's your number? And he's so great. Fantastic Four and like <laughs> oh, just kind of the, the 90s, early 2000, very early 2000 era. Um, I just didn't care about him. Like it was it was too pretty and I never saw anything in him. And I feel like these last few years, he's he's really trying to be an actor. And I think mm-hmm. he's I think he's good, honestly. Yeah. Like I said, I thought Gifted was great. I think he does give a good performance in this. Um I think even as Captain America, like it's a comic book movie, but there's a lot of 
Yeah, there's a lot of a emotion lot of in there and a lot of yeah. right. Yeah. Um, I mean, when we did Winter Soldier and we were talking about his relationship with Bucky and that yeah. moment they have at the end where they're having that fight and he's, you know, that's one of the things that's Bucky great back. about the MCU yeah. is they actually hire actors and not yeah. just plain pretty people. Yeah. Um, so you get a feel for for who these characters are. So do I think this is his best role? No. But do I think that he did a great job? Yeah. I, I, I felt him. I except re- with the exception of, of course, the the end when he's talking about uh, knowing what babies taste like. Oh my God. When he delivered that line, I laughed so hard. Oh, Lindsay. It might make me an asshole. I know. But the, I don't think that was him. I think it was it was the writing. It was it, once you're in this place, hopefully you're in a good, like that state of mind. But if yeah. you're not, it's a little bit much of a line. So, so. I, I can't, so I, the story I think is incredible. I have never seen a Bond movie. I, I, yeah, when the host came either. out, I remember a lot of my friends were talking about it. And I never saw it. I almost watched Okja. Like, I kind I of wanted I to. I don't either. That's the, why I didn't. All of his movies are the kind of movies that I find that I think are very important to watch. And they're like, I was terrified to watch this movie. I knew about it. I did the thing that I sometimes do, which is I go online and I read the plot synopsis. You're the fucking worst. On the Wikipedia. So I knew it was going to happen. And You're it's such just an idiot. So, so you don't even understand. Because, like I said, the number one <laughs> thing that I love about this movie is that it kept me interested no, no. and it, intrigued the whole time this is, this is it i read it i didn't 100 percent remember it i just knew in general what happened i knew that cannibalism played into it and all that kind of stuff um i it was a lot like watching wind river i didn't want to watch it i knew it was going to be hard yeah. but then i started and i was like i got sucked in yeah so the story is really great um there's mystery you know what's going to happen what's at the what's in the other cars you're just kind of following yeah. along you're really excited um but it's that moment in the end where Nam won't let him through the gate, and he wants to open up the outside mm-hmm. gate, and there ha- and then and then it's this moment where Chris Evans is like, "I'm just gonna tell you mm-hmm. the reality of the situation and why I need to do this because I guess they have because they have this fight, and then and then he just spills his guts and I'm just like, it felt a bit much. Yeah, that's it, it that's bit, what I mean. Like heavy handed. Like I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna exactly. spill my guts now. Like, I don't know. I'm sure there like could be a better way. We could have gotten that without him telling it to us, right? And without flashbacks, we could have gotten little bits here and there. Yeah. Like there's a little bit of foreshadowing. You know, when Gilliam is like, "Oh, let me look at your arm," while mm-hmm. oh, the scars healing. Yeah. You know. But I, I, yeah, I'm sure there could have been a better way than than that. Yeah. So that I didn't, and I also read on IMDb that um, they were a little concerned casting him because of his physique, yeah. and that they they scruffed him too. up and made him look a little bit because they didn't want him to look because he's supposed to live in the tail end of this training right. and these protein bars. But I did want to know how is he so good with a gun, and yeah, how is he so good at fighting if all he's done has been trapped in this tail car for so like seventeen years? I do think though I I didn't get a feel that any of them are good at fighting with the exception of the the one guy whose name I don't remember. Oh, uh, I Gilliam's friend who was like He was gray. He was the hottest fucking guy in parkour the whole movie. ninja. <laughs> I loved him. When he showed up I was like who's this guy? Fuck? But otherwise the rest of them they really are just swinging shit around. Like I mean it's not like I didn't get the feeling that any of them were particularly super well trained or anything. The fight scene, I mean it became sort of like an action movie when they meet up with that army of dudes yeah. with uh, blades in that one car. 
I loved when they're passing that fish around. I was just like, does everybody... The, in the fish thing didn't, didn't resonate like, with does me. Does everybody in the tail car have a fish allergy? Right. What? I don't know. <laughs> they're just like this? pure silence and then we pull out a fish and then slice into it. I'm it's sure... It's so weird. I love it. It's so fucking weird. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm sure it... it I, I read know. in the trivia that... So this was a, a Harvey... Is it Weinstein or Weinstein? It's Weinstein. Okay. But here's the thing. Tell me... <laughs> this is... So I turned it on. I Of course, obviously, I don't remember what could potentially be Weinstein <laughs> produced but I turn the movie on and the first thing that pops up is the Weinstein, Weinstein company and all I could think was oh shit that's not gonna age well like it didn't even occur to me I, I can't remember the last time I saw a movie where that pops up <laughs> but forever for the rest of time uh, now, anytime, anytime we watch yeah. a movie and that pops up the first thought has to be oh fuck well I read in the trivia that Weinstein didn't like the fish bit and Bong Joon-ho was like well, that shot means something to me because my dad was a fisherman. So when it was like, all you bullshit. Keep it in, and then he's like, I lied about that. It was I a couldn't tell. Lie. I couldn't tell if that was because they said something. I read the trivia too, and they said something about the fish part, but I didn't know if that meant that fish part or like the aquarium part because he said something about more action. Oh, interesting. So okay. I don't. I don't know. Either but way, I got either way. The fish thing. I thought was unnecessary. <laughs> it was weird. I liked the weird shit. It kind of reminded me of like existence, like some just weirdness. Doesn't love turn, existence. Doesn't he turn? In it existence, was, doesn't he take a? He eats a fish and then he pulls the bones out and he makes a gun. Yeah, that's one of the best. That's parts the, that of the is movie. the best part. But that was because he made a gun out of it. That made sense. <laughs> so like, if they were gonna gut the fish and then use the bones the, to make something, right? Or, or like the guts made it all slippery so that when they charged them, I they mean, would all just Chris fall. Evans I don't know. Does slip on the fish at one he point, does, so he cu- the fish comes back. I guess. But, the other thing it was, seems very wasteful when you're in a position where there are clearly only so many fish. The other thing I want to say about this film, there were so many incredible shots, and I understand now why everybody thinks Bong is such an incredible filmmaker. Um, the moment where you see Chris Evans and uh, Jamie Bell's character Edgar, they're laying in their beds, they're talking, and you they're you're looking at them from above, mm-hmm. and they're kind of layered on top of each other. Amazing. The club scene where they walk into the club, incredible. I think the sauna fights so great. I think that's one of my that's one of you my like favorite the sauna. I too. also love well the, just the whole. I, I don't even know who that guy is. The he's the, scary like, as fuck. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, can't kill him. The the parkour ninja. You know he shoves mm-hmm. the the fact that the way he just shoves his hand under the knife. Yep. To protect Curtis mm-hmm. is first of all beautiful that he even does that, and also gross, but like in a way that you can't tear your eyes mm-hmm. away from. And then to slowly thrust the knife while it's still in his hand through him, which really reminds me of a scene in Saving Private Ryan, which you will see. Um, also, yeah, a hard I movie think to I've watch. Seen something similar but there's in another movie. I can't. Think yeah, of it. I mean it's it's that close up painful death Mm -hmm. that is of course really awful but there's something like i said you just can't tear your eyes away from Mm -hmm. it um and it's horrible and beautiful at the same time and there's a lot of that in here a lot of horrible but beautiful at the same time the set like just like looking at the shot like not only the way that it was shot or certain certain shots but also just the beauty of it this is a beautiful movie yeah and when and eat so those back those tail end cars it's rough it's hard to see and then you get it further it's just overwhelmingly beautiful and uh the the scene with the army of black clad men who have a fish blooded <laughs> we'll just call them fish soldiers fish soldiers that whole so they have the fight they go into the tunnel ever and everybody tilda swinton's doing her i want to see it she's like, well, this is gonna be good and then they come in come through with the torches it's beautifully shot like 
And I do have a little bit of a problem with the torch thing, though. You, didn't but like like, the to- you felt like it was too much? He's just like, too easy. Oh, that's right. I remember that a kid had Has a, a match. match. I will just go, child, fire. And then all of a sudden, everybody like comes running up with torches. That's probably my mm-hmm. biggest what the fuck thing. I mean, I get it. You know, like, I get it. But. <laughs> so did you get your Chris fix watching this movie? Did you? Because he's so moody. I thought maybe you like him a lot because he's really moody, too. I love the moody. He's like the reluctant hero. I love, like I said. He's grungy. When, yes. He's got I'm the beard. 100% for grungy, bearded Chris Evans. Fuck, bearded Chris Evans in general. That's, that's my jam. The, like I said, man, when he was, when he was a kid, he was just all pale and bright and perfect looking and i i like him now <laughs> he's a little <laughs> bit he's a little bit older a little bit more serious when he's got that beard fuck that's that's what i want so what's and of course he's actually really good in this too i think so the not the opening shot but the first shot you get of the group of folks on the train when they're being counted chris stands out because he seems cleaner than the other passengers i was like why is he so clean he just seems cleaner I don't and know, not, I and not as I didn't really get that. But I loved his. I also think his voice is very sexy, and you get a yeah. lot of his voice in this. movie. There are yeah. a lot of shots of him where you can't even see his mouth moving, but you can hear his voice. It's very sexy. Yeah, I agree. Um, but, <laughs> Obviously, I agree. Yeah. So, what else? I guess I'm trying to think. My first impressions. Well, I didn't want to watch it, <laughs> but then I got sucked into it, and it's quite good. Uh, it's very good. So yeah, I guess what stuck out the most to you the the beauty of it for one yeah um at the end of the movie they dump a lot on you so they've been dropping hints a little bit like with the crone is a chrono chronal whatever they're dropping hints along the way about that because the second they said the second i saw somebody peek their head out of a can and say it's i've got it pure and uncut i'm like that shit's probably explosive so i was thinking the whole time that it was some kind of explosive i didn't think about it being a drug and then they pull nam and his daughter out of those carts Mm -hmm. or those drawers and then i was like oh it is a drug but you still there was something else going on with nam nam probably my favorite character in this movie yeah that when you first meet him and he is just not taking anybody's shit yeah um he's just i loved him and he is and you're paying attention if you're paying attention to what he's doing he's grabbing a coat he's talking Mm -hmm. about the snow um you know, obviously he's, you can see that building and building and building and you obviously the It's whole- the even keel thing too, man. It's the, it's the same thing with like when we were watching um, Black Hawk Down mm-hmm. and I was talking about Tom Sizemore mm-hmm. and the reason why he stands out to he me and is calm. like the best character is because he's in this world of pure, utter chaos and he's just cool. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not that he doesn't get freaked out at all. It's not that he's not thinking about things or moving or doing what he's got to do, but he's just cool. And Nam's the same way. He's like- this is what you want to do and you're going to give me an opportunity to get to where I need to be? Sure. Yeah. I'll open these gates. Sure. I'll do these things. So you see Chris going along, this or Curtis, going along and you know that his the end game is that he's going to meet Wilford. Mm-hmm. And for a while I didn't even think Wilford was real. Yeah. I mean, you have to wonder I about wondered. it because you don't see him all along. So and what, I think that's one of the great things about it too. Like I said, that I'm wondering the whole time what's going to happen because you know there's this idealistic aspect to Curtis. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly you don't realize till the end that he's really trying to make up for a wrong that he had done. But you do see that there's this super idealistic aspect and you know because you're watching a movie that that's going to get crushed. <laughs> like You just know it's not going to be yeah. what he it's anticipates. It's not going to go the way that he wants it to. So I, yeah, the first time I saw it, I remember thinking that too. Like he's going to get up to the front and find that there is no Wilford. There's, 
there's nothing <laughs> there. He's not going to be able to do anything anyway. And, yeah. and there was, like, okay, Curtis asks Yona, mm-hmm. are you clairvoyant? Oh, I'm sorry. Now people are clairvoyant. I know. That I, just kind of happened. I, as, soon as, so, and this, as soon as he it, asked her that, all I could think was like, oh, yeah, no, that makes sense. If I were on a train at the end of the world, I'd be thinking, surely at least one person here is clairvoyant. Well, and it made sense because she, but then, but then he asked her right before she tells her dad not to open the door. So it was just like, it was, it felt really yeah, I know. a little too much. And then you get to the end and there's this, all of these perception shifts happen and it's, um, you find out that Chris Evans actually isn't a very good guy and that he killed Edgar's mother because he was going to eat Edgar when he was a baby. And you find out that Wilford was the one behind all the revolutions because he was working with Gilliam. And you find out that he's using the children to replace parts in his fucking engine. It's just like yeah. boom, 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 boom. It happens so fast. Um, and then the final one is, of course, that there is life on Earth and we are going to live, survive. And, well, maybe. I don't oh, know. yeah, they're not going to survive out you there. You don't think so? No. You just think that's the end and it's it? <laughs> <laughs> Let's be clear. There's no way they survived out there. No. But mean, they, they broke the chain. I mean, they got off that train. Yeah. But um, does that mean that humanity is done? I don't know. Maybe it'll come back around. I don't know. Maybe they'll I, freeze and I guess I reanimate. Just... <laughs> I don't know. But, but yeah, like, come on. Let's, let's be clear. First of all, how did the kid find a child-sized fur coat? I don't understand. He like walks out in this perfectly fitting fur coat. I don't at the know. Very end. I don't know. It didn't make any sense. No. Um, also, I, uh, I, as you were going through all of that, and you were like, "Plus, you know, he was gonna eat what's his face, Edgar. Edgar. <laughs> he was gonna eat Billy Elliot." Um, I think one of the reasons why that amused me, the, the line, "I know what babies taste like." I know, or I know, I know, that, babies, I know babies taste, taste best. best. I think one of the reasons it amused me so much is because I remember us talking at work one time about, oh, no. <laughs> about <laughs> if all of us who work together were like on a plane that went down and it was an alive situation. situation. Have you seen Alive, by the way? Yeah. Okay. Because I was going to put that one on the list because yeah. I love it. But I hated anyway, it. <laughs> you would. I hated it. Um, anyway, if we were in an alive situation, uh, who would you eat first? And my answer at the time was one of our coworkers who was pregnant. Duh. Which makes perfect sense because she had so many more nutrients flowing through her body, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, it's like a two for one. And thirdly, like, okay, Curtis, you say you know that babies taste best. I feel like I know that without having tasted them. <laughs> I mean, we're talking, it's like, it's but, like but, veal. Lindsay, Lindsay, he knows. I mean, I get like, it. He knows. knows. But come on, don't we all know? I- That's fresh, tender flesh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. So... I saw this, so the whole cannibalism thing, which earlier I said was a theme, and you're like, is it a theme? It's okay, really maybe it's not a theme. theme. I think the theme, theme there is, there's like a, uh, yeah, it's, it's an impetus for things, and then there may be, I think there is a bit of a theme of, of self-sacrifice. Yeah. So <laughs> there's a movie that I watched, I don't know, it's been a couple years, it's probably been four or five years ago, it's called Hunger, came out in 2009. It's like a low grade, I mean, it's the kind of horror that I would watch, and it's not even really horror, so the story is... These people all get kidnapped by this guy who's kind of like a madman. And he puts them in this basement dwelling, like cellar type place. Like in it literally, I think like underground. Mm-hmm. And they're down there. All they have is a barrel of water and they have no food. And the experiment is to find out how long will they go before, like how hungry before mm-hmm. you start to... It's the same kind of thing here. All these people are on a train car together and they get hungry and what do they do? Well, they start to fucking eat each other. They right. eat the weak ones first. So that's what happens. Like some guy has a heart attack and he dies and they eat him and there's one woman who's not eating because she just can't do it and 
there are some really disturbing moments in that movie because mm-hmm. um, a couple of the people not only do they eat a person but then they just start it's just it's very animalistic they just start acting like crazy yeah. people and then the, the the shift in the end like why is this person why is this man kidnapped them and put them into this situation it's because when he was a little boy he and his mom were driving down the highway and they got in an accident and their car was stranded in the snow and she was knocked out or dead i believe so he ate her and he couldn't get out of his seatbelt, and he was trapped there for a long time, and he ended up, yeah, eating his mom. And I think mm. he was trying to prove to himself that he wasn't a bad person. That anybody would do it in that, that situation. That anybody would do yeah. that. And it's that movie was so disturbing to me. See, I think that's part of the reason why I really like Alive, and I've read the book too, and so it's a horrible story. So that is disturbing. In well, the because movie. it's a true story, yes, but I think the reason... that doesn't disturb me. This... This movie disturbed me. Well, this is, but it's a dramatized version of the same thing that they went through or that the Donner Party Not, went through. Not Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer didn't disturb me. This other movie hung Right, right, right. But I, I, either way, it's, it's like I said, it's it's a dramatized, entertaining, mm-hmm. horror um, version of, of the fact that there are people who have had to make those choices. And what do you do? You know, you would, you would eat the dead first. What if there's no more dead? Is there somebody who's going to sacrifice themselves or mm-hmm. sacrifice part of themselves? Or if nobody's going to sacrifice themselves, somebody's got to make a choice. You know, is there mm-hmm. going to be a drawing done? And yeah. whoever draws the short straw, yeah, what what do you do? Well, and thank God it's not something that happens often, of course, in this world. But throughout history, it has yeah. happened. I think the, the idea that people would cut off limbs is mm-hmm. very interesting in this one, um, in, in Snowpiercer. Don't don't watch that hunger movie. It is disgusting. Because <laughs> I remember watching Alive, and everybody knew that story. And I feel like the way that they that movie was done in a very tasteful way. I mean, it was really the struggle of how do we survive? And these people yeah, were yeah. they were already dead. And I I think that's part of the reason. Well, many of them died along the way, though. Right. That's the thing is, no, they didn't kill anyone. But Thank God they didn't dying. have to. Yeah. But they still went very quickly from. First of all, they they were all friends. They and family, and yeah. they knew each other. And yeah. to go from having, you know, hoping that your sister survives and trying to keep her alive, yeah. and then having to drag her outside so she freezes so that you can eat her flesh. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's I, I. You know me. I'm I'm more for the more realistic, yeah, yeah. portrayals of these horrible, horrible mm-hmm. moments. So that's why I would prefer something like Alive to. Something I know babies taste bad. <laughs> something else to consider here is there are people being born on this train. Were people fucking while they were eating other people in the tail car? I like to think that there was um, a bit of a moratorium on fucking. <laughs> like that baby. So Edgar was a baby, but he said that was what, a year in? I mean, it was it was pretty early on in the beginning that Listen, they started eating each other. So you other. think Edgar's mom so, came onto the train pregnant? I think, yeah. Or maybe Edgar was already a baby at the time and you know, I don't know. But I don't know. I got the feeling that Edgar was like... They never called him a train baby. So, I don't know. Uh, Either way, also I, in he, my mind... Jamie Bell does not look 17 or 18. No. 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 <laughs> I also, I like the part where Gilliam is like, you know, it's better to have two arms. You know, you want to hold... Having two arms makes it great to hold a woman. And all I could think was, is he holding many women? Like, <laughs> did he have an opportunity to hold many women? Because it looked like that was a pretty grimy, nasty place where you're just trying to survive. Do you really have enough energy for sex just eating those bug bars? Gross. The bug bars. Like, I liked how 
grossed out he was about like what the fuck did you think it you was you fucking dude? ate a baby yeah like now, i wasn't even grossed out about it and i've never eaten a baby like it's bugs it's protein yeah i was like protein uh, sure i was like that makes sense that tracks soil and green is people it's people because that's thought, what i was thinking yeah, was i thought happen. it would be too yeah that it was people because they keep taking the kids i'm like yeah but they wouldn't yeah anyway it's just i i, I do think it's great that they explain that you know only certain size people will fit in here mm-hmm. because of course that is one of, and there are a lot of those kinds of things throughout a lot of those little weird things that you're like the fuck is going on like why is this woman measuring children yeah. this makes zero sense it's just something weird and then you find out it actually does have meaning she that assassin guy was scary that chick was scary she was, she was. scary like the look on her face when she got hit by that shoe and then like she oh and like, she tasted, tasted the blood. her own it's like she stuck her whole fucking hand in her mouth yeah. to get that blood off it was really weird oh yeah fuck. all of the all of the near the front car passengers tilda swinton's allison, allison pill, pill was great so She's good so as the great. teacher so good singing the songs playing the videos it was perfect um and then she was she was filling them full of bullets too. I yeah. mean, they're just all a fucking bunch of psychopaths up there. Are they? I think so. You, I mean, they're really just trying to protect themselves and their family, don't mm. you think? What happens to them in a revolution situation? What yeah. happens to them if everybody from the back of the train marches up to the front? They lose their way of life. These people that they've been taught for eighteen years are crazy animals. Are going to come and obviously they're going to kill them all. I don't know. I think. Uh... Um, you know me. I'm like, can we all just get along? There was plenty for everybody. Like, that's did you see point. that cart full of hard-boiled eggs? That's more hard-boiled eggs than I've ever seen in my entire damn life. That's, but that's the point of this whole movie is you say, you all can't we all just get along? No. No, we can't because I had to go no. to three stores to get toilet paper yesterday and I needed right. toilet paper. I wasn't just going out to stock up. I saw something in one of the reviews on IMDb. Somebody was talking about like, I don't understand how all these people are just so hungry to kill. You know, oh, yeah, sure, everybody on the train just wants to kill. No, nobody wants to kill. And I didn't see that with any of these people. None of these people went out and wanted to kill. They're in a situation where you got to kill to survive. And that is, first of all, 100% what humanity has done throughout the ages. What any creature, animal, would do. You got If you have to kill to survive, yeah, then do that. Of course. Yes. And then also, let's look at our history as human beings. It's not always just kill to survive. It's if there's any sort of perceived threat, you're going to automatically opt for wipe out that threat just in case. So you end up having a lot of terrible things done with what ultimately ends up being very little justification. But at the time, in the moment of that chaos and pain, it feels like the right thing to do. That's just something that we've done throughout the ages. But have you ever been in a situation like that? I mean, obviously, you've never been in the tail end of <laughs> like this? a survival train, an apocalyptic train. No, but, I've, yes, I've not. But, I've, I've been on a couple of trains that were a little rough. I mean, I guess I, it's not, I think I'm, I mean, I think we're lucky enough to live in a place that, for the most part, we're safe and we don't have to think about these kinds of situations. Um, It's interesting to watch it play out in a movie like this, which the reality of a train like that is that that would never be, there couldn't possibly be a train like that. Oh, I don't think so. I mean, tracks freeze up pretty easily already. I was, like, (laughs) the train is going and I was like... 
what if there's something on the track? And then we see it piercing through the snow. And I'm like, ah, the name. But I I feel like we hear about a lot of train derailments right now. And they're caused by, like, I don't know, a rock on the (laughs) tracks or something. (laughs) This is a very special train. Well, and what ends up causing it to derail in the end is that chronobomb. Yeah. Yeah. Which I feel like. Had we really thought this out and planned it a little bit better, maybe you could have used the bomb someplace that at the very least wasn't in the mountains. (laughs) Yeah. Like maybe just waited a little bit. The scene, I was wondering too. So we know that Chris Evans is dealing with a lot of shit and dealing with, like, you know, he's like a reluctant hero. He doesn't, kept saying he didn't want to be the leader, you know. And then there's this moment where he can go after Tilda Swinton's character or he can help his friend Edgar, and he chooses to go after Tilda Swinton's character. And I mm. didn't fully understand why he made that choice. It's the greater good. Is that really why? Because uh, then later on, you find out that he knew Edgar from a baby, and he killed Edgar's mom, but he still was willing to sacrifice. Are you asking if there's the possibility that subconsciously he was thinking, if I can just get rid of Edgar, maybe I can get rid of that guilt and pain because I can get rid of that reminder? maybe because that's a definite possibility but you wouldn't think about that until you watch the movie again so when i saw it the first time i was just like why would he like let his friend i get the greater good it's his friend whatever because you don't know the history there um and it may well be all of those things playing in i I mean he also you know once he gets her puts a knife to her throat and tells her to make everybody stop yeah so maybe he was thinking that he could have it both ways everybody stop right yeah but you just that was that was a Sort of a hard moment for me because I didn't follow his motivations very well. I think you, even without knowing everything about their relationship in the end, um, that he killed his mother and wanted to eat him, (laughs) (laughs) even without knowing that, you can still see from the very beginning that their relationship is, I wouldn't say contentious, but it's very seemingly at least one-sided. Yeah. Um. You know, that he kind of feels like this kid just keeps following me around and he's kind of annoying mm-hmm. me. And I think at one point Gilliam says something about, like, he just wants to help you. He yeah. just, you know, just let him help you. He just wants to be part of, of all of this. Um, and I, I guess without knowing what had actually occurred, of course, there's that thought that maybe this is just sort of a an older brother, younger brother kind of relationship yeah. where, you know, the older brother, yeah, he cares about him, but he's always thinking, like, oh, would you just leave me alone? And then hearing, of course, what happened later... I do think that there's probably that that aspect of, you know, Curtis is somebody who, again, he's trying to make up for all the horrible things that he's done, but nobody runs straight into wanting to make that up. I think it's the human course of action would be preferably to just forget. You would always want to just forget these horrible things. And there's no possible way that he can forget because this kid who he wanted to eat is, around all is the time. following him around all yeah. the time. Like, I thought that they were just friends. I didn't get that younger brother following. I mean, Jamie Bell's character is kind of annoying. He's kind of a prick. He's a bit much. Is he supposed to be Irish in this movie? I felt like he had an Irish accent. Yeah, I think they probably just went, oh, no, talk like you talk. I don't know. <laughs> he's he's not Irish. Jamie Bell's English. Yeah, but I don't know why he would. Yeah, he sounded like an Irish boy. Um. So, uh, there was something else. Oh, Tilda Swinton. Why does she take her dentures out? <laughs> I don't is know. It just it's a great effect. That's I. Th- I feel like it's kind of in my mind. It's a bit like the fish. And I heard <laughs> it's that it's weird. I, I read that the glasses were something that her kids were playing with in their toy box, and so they decide they she. That's why where they got the glasses that she wears. 
She's great. Octavia Spencer, too. She's yeah. really good. I enjoy. I always enjoy watching her. Um, and I like that she fought with the men. Yeah. And she held out to the end. For... I like that she even just says at the beginning, she's like, you know I'm stronger yeah, than half these I can, skinny you know guys. Like, come on. Yeah. Where she, um, with her little boy, it's just so sad. So sad. What else? Uh, well, I, I mean, seeing it for the first time for you, do you feel like, because I feel like there have been a handful of movies that I have asked you to watch and you have come back and said, why did you make me do that? I didn't feel, I didn't, because I knew what I was getting into this okay. with this movie and it's a post-apocalyptic thing, so it's not real. It's like science fiction. Yeah, yeah. Um, and... It was entertaining. I was excited to see my first Bong Joon-ho film. This this was in my next in Netflix queue. I have had it in my queue. I just had never gotten around to watching it. And I think it was because I was so unsure of how actually depressing it would be. Um, and it did remind me a lot of, I mean, any other, you know, Planet of the Apes. You got the Hunger Games, Soylent Green, any of that kind of stuff. It's the same kind of vibe mm-hmm. for me. And I do enjoy those movies. Um, Man, I hated Planet of the Apes. Those fucking apes freaked me the fuck the out. The original Planet of the Apes? As a kid, I couldn't, like, I remember my dad having it on occasionally because it would just come on on a Sunday morning or something, you know, because there were, what, 27 different movies. Yeah. I couldn't watch it. They would give me nightmares. Have you seen the newer ones? I, I- saw the first new one. With Mark with Jimmy, Wahlberg? With Jimmy Franco? No. With Mark Wahlberg. No, the actual Planet of the Apes. No, the one with James Franco was like just a few years ago. So I watched the first new one and that was it. I didn't see any of the others. Wait, hold on. <laughs> yes, I did see the Mark Wahlberg one. That shit was and bananas. The, it was still... Estella Warren. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, what happened to her? I don't know, man. I'm looking her up right now. I never thought she, she was, was that pretty, actually. She was a synchronized actually. swimmer from 7 to 17 in Canada. That's cool. Um, let's see. What's she doing? I mean, I don't... So, yeah. I, uh, yeah. Anyway, the, the Planet of the Apes, I, yeah. I don't so like So I it. did see that one. And then I don't think I actually watched the one with uh, James Franco because it looked... I I have a real problem with CGI animals. That, well, just that like, was my main thing with that. Because I actually found it interesting. Because I think that one was about how it came about that they kind of Mm -hmm. genetically engineered this ape to be more human-like or something and and of course then they would take over but they were cgi'd and it was really upsetting to me i can't i can't handle cgi his relationship to caesar i guess i I don't know that just made me sad like i I couldn't watch i couldn't watch it the original planet of the apes is a good movie no i can't do it it. i don't care i can't do it um charlton heston though i have a real fucking problem he can only be he's only in at an 11 always one of my favorite jokes that my me my sister do is so the greatest people it's people because it's so melodramatic yeah first of all that's not really a joke it's just a line second of all i've I've never i like to say i had never seen that until uh the saturday night live sketch there was a saturday night live sketch yeah and i don't i don't remember who was doing it or what the point of the sketch was even but it was reenacting that line and i was like mm. what the hell is this <laughs> so green. yeah it's um because then very recently like in the last year or two some company made a protein drink that was called soylent oh really yes is it people uh not as far as i know or is it raccoon <laughs> 
<laughs> it's human meat, is it? I'm just gonna pay off my uh, my friend who works at the morgue so I can bring in a hot plate. And... Gross, gross. <laughs> Would you? Could you eat a human? Another human being? I mean, how, how just for the, like how, a Saturday night like couple, night couple out different scenario. <laughs> scenario scenario where it's the only food available. It's like in a live situation. Yeah, you could. Okay, how about? I'd some, really rather not. How about someone has sacrificed a limb or somebody had to have a limb cut off for some reason and we were like, hey, like, let's just, just try it and see. And they're like, yeah, cool. You want to eat some of my leg? It's fine. No. You wouldn't do that? Why would I do that? All right, I'm just curious. That's like, why? <laughs> I mean, if somebody said to you, hey, try some. First of all, why did they sacrifice a limb? Well, no, uh, maybe they had to have a cut off for a reason. Yeah, so, so maybe- let's talk about what that reason is because I don't want to eat your diseased meat. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> so, like, you get osteosarcoma and they have to take your leg. Do you really think you could request it from them? Like, no, I want to take it home and cook it. Do you eat my, want to eat my diabetes foot? How do you find that in instructions online for, like, what temperature does human meat have to be at? 160. Same as chicken, dude. You think? Yeah. Everything. 160. I guess steak, maybe you don't have to cook as much. Can you have, like, a medium rare calf? <laughs> Does it have to be? I don't calf know. is in like leg calf, not cow calf. Not like, yeah. Well, no, that would be veal. I get it. Gross. I don't eat veal. It's funny too. Like, I, I don't eat so many different kinds of animals and I won't. And yet you ask me, would, would you, you eat, eat a person? And I'm thinking like, if pushed, yeah. Nothing with the face. Nothing yeah, with the face. It. But if you serve me duck, no. But if I were dying and there was nothing else to eat, I would eat a yeah, duck. Yeah, you would sure. eat it. I don't want to think about it anymore. It's gross. Because <laughs> this movie makes it too real. All right. Anything else about I, Snowpiercer? I mean, I, probably because I feel like there's a lot to unpack here. There's a lot here, to unpack, yes. But um, I don't think anything else is really super, super coming to mind. I, I guess in general, I just, and when I say there's a lot to unpack, I, again, come back to one of the things that I love about this movie is just that it makes you think. It makes you think about about people and about human nature and and of course there are a lot of things that you think about with the movie in general like did others survive this crash which i'm sure that others did and what do they do do they leave the train do they live out the rest of their lives on the train um you know if the world is warming up some is it enough to actually sustain human life or are we actually all still going to go extinct because it's going to take another hundred years for it to thaw so you're just asking for a snow piercer too. I mean, I definitely don't actually want that. <laughs> well, there's I there, don't understand. I don't know who's be. making it, but there's a television series, right? There is. I That's remember I saw I saw commercials for it. Um, but I yeah, I don't know if I'll actually end up watching it or not, I guess. And it was I mean, I know it was a graphic novel. I never looked into it to kind of see anymore. I'd be curious. But I'm okay being left with all of the thought-provoking questions. questions. Like, I'm I'm okay with what I was given in this movie and what I was left, what I was left with ultimately. So, I'm glad that I watched it. I probably won't ever watch it again, but I would like to see other, the other Bong Joon-ho movies now. I, I kind of, I think the host I is honestly next. don't think I can watch Okja. I, I, mean, I, I don't think I can watch it either. That, it like, giant pig reminds me so much of my bulldog puppy. Mm. I just don't think I can do yeah. it. But, um, 
I like the idea of like the host. I want to see the host. I think that'll be a good one. I, yeah. I need to see Parasite, of course. Um, but I think if I have any criticism, and I, I would recommend this to people who are interested in this kind of film. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I have any criticism, it's that there's too much revealed at the end. It's it's very it feels very heavy the the monologue by Chris Evans and then mm-hmm. even the I felt like Chris which Evans, is interesting too because I feel like the dialogue throughout I really like it's very different from anything else or from many other things that you see it's very it's very simple it's mm-hmm. very to the point um, and you're left to just kind of get from elsewhere what people are really thinking yeah. and really feeling because the dialogue is so short. Mm-hmm. And then I think that might be part of the reason why it seems like so much to have that kind of yeah. monologue at the very end too is you didn't have any of that throughout. Yeah. So because it, I felt like Nam's story progressed and very naturally came to that point mm-hmm. where he's saying, here's what I want, here's what I want to do. But Chris Evans, you know what he wants to do the entire time, but you don't know fully why he is so motivated mm-hmm. until the end. So You wanted to lean over to Billy Elliot at one point and just be like, dude, <laughs> I almost ate you. <laughs> <laughs> I want to eat your liver with a side of fava beans and a nice Chianti. <laughs> He'd be like, wait, what's Chianti? <laughs> All right. Well, anything else? No. No. All right. Well, thanks, y'all, for hanging out, and we will see you next time. The Movie Virgins. Hey, people. This is Leah. I am staying at home, and we should all be staying at home right now. So I hope everybody's safe out there. Um, This is crazy. I never thought I would live through a time like this. So if you're listening to this, um, be safe. we care about you. We're grateful that you're still listening to us um, in this weird time in our history. Um, I think we should all be journaling right about now so that those journals can be turned into entertainment for the masses in the future. Um, so anyway, thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Wherever you're listening, please subscribe and give us a rating and we'd love it if you'd write us a review whether you loved it or hated it or whatever it we definitely want to hear from you we're on twitter at movie virgins pod so you can connect with us there and uh, yeah we will see y'all next time one last thing the music in this episode was written and performed by melissa powers Oh!